Stand, let's uh, read our scripture for today. 1 Samuel 3, verses 8 through 10. A third time the Lord, Lord called Samuel. Samuel got up and went to Eli and said, Here I am. You called me, right? Eli, Eli realized that the Lord was calling the boy. So Eli told Samuel, Hmm, go and lie down, and if he calls you again, say, Speak, Lord, for your servant is listening. So Samuel went and lay down in this place. The Lord came and stood there, calling as at the other times, Samuel, Samuel. Then Samuel said, speak, for your servant is listening. Won't you say that with me? Speak, Lord, for your servant is listening. God, would you do that? To our hearts and our minds, in Jesus' name, amen. Peace be seated. If you were here last week, you know that I started uh, this series inside of a dialogue between a Pharisee named Nicodemus and Jesus. In the Gospel of John, that dialogue is captured. Nicodemus believes that God is with Jesus, but he doesn't necessarily believe that Jesus is God. And so Jesus begins to open up revelation for him, and in the process of the conversation, we get uh, Jesus' description, describing of how God loves us, John 3, 16. And here's how the New Living Translation puts it. For this is how God loved the world. Tell the person next to you, this is how God loves you. Tell them. He gave his one and only son so that everyone who believes in him will not perish but have eternal life. The components of how God loves us is this. He gave. That means that God's love is generous. His one and only son. That means that God's love is extravagant. Uh, he gave the gift before the invitation that whoever would believe in him uh, would have everlasting life. So the gift came first. That means God's love is unconditional. And then if you believe, you will not perish but have everlasting life our eternal life. That means that God's love is redemptive. To have eternal life means that at the end of the day, all of us will die. But when we die in relationship with Jesus, death is not a period at the end of the sentence of our lives, but rather it is a comma, a transition from one dimension of life to the next. God restores life to us. So to say that God loves is redemptive means that he restores hope where there's hopelessness. He restores opportunity where opportunity has uh, disappeared. And that's what we're doing in this, these two schools and uh, with the five organizations. Uh, we're demonstrating a love of God uh, that is generous, that is extravagant, unconditional, and redemptive. Because that's how God loves. Now, Jesus will tell us a little later in John, chapter 13, verse 34. He says, look, I'm going to give you a new commandment. Love each other, watch this, just as I have loved you. In other words, in the same way that I've loved you, generously, extravagantly, unconditionally, redemptively, that's how I want you to love each other. So you should love each other. 
Now, when I think about that and look at what I see being called loved, love today, I want to suggest that not everything that we call love is love. Some of the stuff we call love is masquerading as love. And you remember the masquerades. I think about those parties where people would uh, go to a masquerade party. You put on a mask of a face that is somebody that you are not. On Halloween, we do something similar. Uh, in my neighborhood, it's a big deal. Hundreds of people hit to the, go out to the streets. And so last year, I went out with Rhonda and Lauren. And we ran at some of the uh, members and partners of NBCC. And you know, at Halloween, you know, you dress up. You know, you put on a... A, 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 a costume. You know, some of you dress up as Black Panther. <laughs> some of y'all dress up as the lady Captain Marvel and all of that. I didn't have on no costume. I went out just like me. <laughs> and so I, I, I ran into some of the folk from the NBCC and they were talking. And I said, let me ask you a question. Who did I come out as tonight? And they looked at me. <laughs> It's like, is this a trick question? <laughs> they said, I don't know. I said, I came out as me. <laughs> and I can see them like, I don't think he really gets the concept here. <laughs> but they were polite. They were polite. Hallelujah. <laughs> Masquerading. Wearing the mask. Not everything that you call love is love. Let me give you a couple examples. There are some folk who define love through physical abuse and they put a mask on it and call that love. And I'm here to tell you that if you're inside of a, a, a relationship as a couple and, and somebody is regularly pushing on you and hitting on you and destroying your property and they're calling that love, I just want to call it out today, that's not love. It's a mask. Some people uh, uh, engage in what they call love through control. If you're in a relationship where somebody is telling you where you can go and where you can't go and who can be a friend to you and who you can't be a friend with and what you should wear and what you should not wear and they're calling that love, I just want to call that out today. That's not love. It's masquerading. It's not love. And by the way, if you have to control the person that's with you in order to keep that person, you don't have them. Some people, it's, it's humiliation. They're regularly calling you, perhaps, out of your name on a regular basis. This name and that name, and they're making you feel bad about yourself and ashamed about yourself and, and, and dogging you out publicly. And then they tell you, they put a mask in front of you and they say, I love you. That's a lie. They're not loving you. How do we know? Because God shows us what real love is. John 15, Jesus declares, here, there's no greater love than this. Here's the best example of love. One who will lay down his life for a friend. Shout, lay down. Lay down, lay down. Lay down. This is the notion of, 
of Jesus, he, he perhaps, I mean, he looks at our sins and surely we ought to be punished. But he says, so that you will not be punished. Jesus says he would be punished. He dies on the cross. There's nothing physically abusive about the love of Jesus. He says, lay down. Shout lay down. Lay down. That's, that's this notion of God. Jesus uh, opening up his hands and freely giving himself. There's nothing controlling about the love of Jesus. He says he lays down. He lays down his life for you. For me. There, that means you are cherished. That when, when, when God loves us through Jesus Christ, there's nothing humiliating about the love of of God, that, that God doesn't humiliate us through his love. He elevates us. Whatever you call in love, test it against God's love. Does it hold up? Hmm. Everybody shout extravagant. Extravagant, that's one of the dimensions of, of God's love. Uh, First John puts it this way in chapter 3, verse 16. He says, uh, 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 this is how we know what love is. It says, for, for Jesus gave up his life for us, so we also ought to give up our lives for our brothers and sisters another way. If you are Jesus' follower, this is how we are to love Generously, extravagantly, unconditionally, and redemptively. And that ought to be how you define your couple's relationship, your relationship with your kids, your relationship with your, your parents. Real love. A lot of people, it's, it's sex is in this, it's, everything is sexualized. You want to buy a car, it's sex. And often it's, it's sex plus abuse for some of us. And oftentimes, it comes with this notion, but I love you. There is no love in sexual abuse. None. But there is, in God's way of loving, a kind of extravagance. Let me make this quick two points about when God loves us through his son who gives up his life, he's saying two things to us. One, he is saying to you, he's saying, you matter. Actually, when he, when, he, when, he, when he loves me, when he loves you, the, the, the notion is, I matter. Everybody shout, I matter. I matter. I don't care what, who tells you otherwise. But then God just doesn't want it to be a love affair between you and him, and that that's where the love stays, just between you and him. That becomes like a stagnant pool of water that, that at some points grows al algae and, and becomes stale. And, uh, uh, but, but God wants his love to, in a sense, really to overflow in your life and, and, and really become like a, a river that flows through you. So God just doesn't want to love me. He wants to love me, but then he wants to love others through me. And when he loves others through me, he's saying to those others, you matter. That's the tie. He wants us to love generously, extravagantly, unconditionally, redemptively. 
He wants you to evaluate anything you call love by God's love. Somebody go, hmm. I want to lift up this thing. I, I call it the principle of extravagance when it comes to God's love. And say it with me. Say the principle of extravagance. Now, we don't typically like the word extravagance. It doesn't always have the positive connotation to be extravagant. One suggests that you're lavish, kind of irresponsible, kind of over-the-top type thing. Let me, let me give you a synonym to get you to where the text is trying to get you to. Everybody shout, extraordinary. extraordinary. Right, now watch the word. It has the same prefix as the other one. Extraordinary. Say it with me. Extraordinary. God's love is extraordinary. The root for extra is outside. So the way God loves us, he's, he loves us outside of the ordinary. Now let me just ex- ask you to examine. Uh, uh, the person who you love that's close to you, your spouse, uh, girlfriend, boyfriend, partner, significant other, wherever you fit on the list. Would they say you love them extraordinary? Would they? Would they say that the way you interact with them is outside of the ordinary? Hmm. Let me give you some examples. Because I'm suggesting it should be. You know, some of you, when you were dating, oh, you loved extraordinary. Don't you remember? You used to be on the phone talking to the person you were dating with. You'd be on there for like three hours. You'd fall asleep. Wake back up. Since you've been, it's been several years, you don't think about calling unless you want something. Baby, don't forget to pick up. Why don't you stop in the middle of your day, come on now, and just pick up your, your, your phone and place a phone call and say, uh, 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 man or woman, uh, whoever you're calling, you just, you, the person you love, you tell them, you say, hey, I'm just calling to tell you you're special. No agenda, I'm thinking about you. Don't you remember when you were dating, you, you were extraordinary? Don't you remember all them letters y'all used to write? Big long emails, and you put those, those, those awkward, coney poems in there. Vi- <laughs> Roses are red, violence are blue, I love you, glad I'm not dead. You know that kind of stuff. Ordinary, outside of the ordinary now, you know, during the course of your day, just stop for a few seconds and not a letter, a text. A text that simply says, I'm thinking of you. I love you. Hmm? See, outside of the ordinary. Can I talk to the guys for a moment? Uh, any guys in the house, make some noise. Say, hey. <laughs> Wait, look, guys, why, why don't you take this on? Try it, try it, try it this week. 
Well, when, when, the, when the lady comes home, you know, maybe she was in there all day taking care of the kids. Or maybe she's been out working just like you've been working. But when you get home, come on now, I want you to say to her, I say, listen, baby girl, with no strings attached, no conditions, no expectations, I just want you to sit down here. Come on, get the lotion. The next hour, I'm going to massage your feet. Come on. And after I massage your feet, we're going to wash the dishes and have a good night. And I don't want nothing in return. Ladies, shout Amen. Extraordinary, outside of the ordinary. This ought to be defining. Two or three times a month, it should be happening. Right? Well, ladies, can I, might, might I challenge you for a moment? When you get home someday this week, listen, run his bath water. Come on, now, <laughs> make the plate. And then come to him and say, listen, tonight, I'm going to just talk to you about the three or four things that you're getting right that I just love you for. And you just focus on what he's getting right rather than all the stuff you think he's getting wrong. Men, make some noise. Say amen. Amen. (laughs) Extra order outside of the ordinary. Tell the person next to you, I, I might try that this week. Tell them. See, y'all don't even want to say it. You don't even want to say it. <laughs> love, learn to love like God loves you. By the way, this principle of extraordinary, outside ordinary, makes you good students. Because you can't be an extraordinary student studying ordinarily. You, you just can't study like everybody else study and be extraordinary. You got to go do what you're supposed to do and go several chapters more. You know, uh, it, it makes you a good employee. Uh, uh, you can't be an extraordinary employee, stand out on your job by just doing ordinary work. Showing up on time, leaving 15 minutes early, making sure your work is done. That's it. Come on, shout ordinary. You want to stand out. Come on now. You've got to do you're outside of the order. You've got to be the first to raise your hand and say, I'll take on that extra project. You've got to be the one who gets there a little early before everybody else gets there. Are willing to stay 30, 40 minutes late to get the job done. This is the principle of extraordinary, working outside of the order the way God loves us. It makes you a better employer. The executive, to be an extraordinary executive, you can't just operate in the ordinary, hang out with other executives. Work it in your day, your week. Stop by and talk to some of the secretaries. Hear their stories. Listen to some folk who are managing on the floor. Get their ideas and talk to them. Know who the janitor is. Hear their story. Get their advice and their insight. That's how you're outside of the ordinary. Hmm. Everybody go, hmm. We learn this by how God loves us. All right. I'm back into the Samuel text. I just need to give you some practical stuff. This is worth your showing up just the first few moments. Tell the person next to you. 
I'm glad you showed up today. Tell them. <laughs> Do you know one of the ways that God's love is most extraordinarily expressed in our lives, though? Watch this. It blows my mind. He wants to communicate with you. Tell the person next to you, God wants to talk to you. Tell them God wants to talk to you. I mean, can you imagine these beautiful babies that we brought up here and we lifted up and, and we dedicated Pastor Demaro and the parents would take them back home and then for the next 10 years not say nothing to them? Well, why would you think that, that, that God, come on now, is somehow less than we who are human parents surely wants to communicate with you? Even when those kids get on our nerves. We still want to hear from them. We want to talk to them. I find this fascinating. The God of the universe wants to talk to us. And I think I used this before. I'll demonstrate it again uh, today. I have a new iPhone. And the 11, and I told the folk earlier, I, I don't drive fancy cars. But I do like a fancy phone. <laughs> every couple of years. Come on now. And, 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 and what I like about this, I don't know whether it's going to work. Let me see will it work. The way this is designed, I can speak to it. Right. Listen, listen, listen. Hey Siri. You see that? Now, 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 now let me, first of all, how did Siri know I'm talking to him. Come on now. Number one, Siri is always listening. Be careful what you say. Siri is always. And, and, and part of the reason why we miss God is we're never listening. It's not that he's not trying to talk to you. It's just that we're never listening. Secondly, all I need to do is say, hey, Siri, and Siri responds. And God says, all you need to do is say, hey, Jesus, and he's ready. He says, hell, uh-huh. You don't have to tell him who you are. He knows you by the DNA code of your biology. You don't have to tell him where you are. He's got your GPS down. Lord have mercy. All right. This is what we hear in the text. Samuel. You know a little thing about, you know a little bit about Samuel. Right? Samuel's mother is Hannah. Hannah couldn't have children. She prayed one day at the temple. Lord, if you give me a child, I'll give him back to you. Samuel was born out of that remarkable experience. And she informally allowed the priests of the temple, Eli, to adopt him and raise him. Uh, really uh, in the footsteps of becoming a priest. Samuel is about, uh, he's a teenager now when this text takes place. And there's some similarities because you watch this text between the text and our lives. Watch it. Verse 1, it points out, it wants to make it very clear. It says, meanwhile, the boy Samuel served the Lord by assisting Eli the priest. Watch this. Now in those days, messages from the Lord were very rare and visions were quite uncommon. That's, that's, that's the writer really describing a lot of your stories, right? Because for many of you if you, if you, if you could answer the question, you would say, yeah, messages from the Lord for me is very rare. Visions don't happen regularly. Then 3-4, I like verse 
Three fourths points out that, that when the lamp of the God, that means early around five o'clock in the morning, the lamp stayed lit till, they, till the sun came up, basically. He says Samuel was sleeping in the tabernacle. This is the place of worship. And he's right by the ark of God. Samuel's job was to facilitate worship, take care of all the elements of worship. And here he is sleeping by the ark of God. Suddenly, shall suddenly, there's a disruption here. The Lord called out Samuel. Samuel didn't recognize. He thought, it was, he thought Eli was calling him. Uh, here's an insight. It's possible to come and worship on a regular basis, to greet, to hug, to pour, to pass out donuts, to love, and yet totally be totally unfamiliar with the voice of God in your life. And just as God disrupted Samuel's sleep, He's trying to disrupt somebody's spiritual sleep here today. Hmm. And then I want you to notice uh, 8 and 9. Because it, it teaches us the two ways that God primarily, he doesn't deal with us all the same, it's different. Watch this. So the Lord called Samuel again the third time. So he got up and went to Eli and said, here I am for you did call me, right? Watch this. Samuel has heard the audible voice of God. It's so audible that he thinks it's Eli. Everybody shout, heard. Right? Eli does not hear any voice of God. But watch what it says. After he's listening to what Samuel says, it says, then Eli perceived. Everybody shout, perceived. Eli said, I didn't hear it, but based on the pattern that you're describing, I recognize God at work. He perceived it. Some of us might hear God speak to us in a silent and a quiet voice and others might simply perceive that God is speaking to us. A sense of feeling, a prompting. We might use the language like a leading. Let me tell you about hearing. One of the most recent movies that came out at the last holiday was called Breakthrough. And it featured a major star from This Is Us, uh, Chrissy, she, she played this remarkable Christian woman who, whose son, uh, uh, who was a, a, a parent of an adopted son, and uh, put his pitch up there. Uh, and, and John Smith is this young man's name. When he was a teenager, he was working through his adoption, had lots of issues. He went out in a way he weren't supposed to out on the lake in Missouri, and he fell through the ice. He was under the water, listen, true story, for 15 minutes. It's such an incredible story that, that uh, Steph Curry was the executive producer of this movie. He underwrote the, helped underwrote the cost of it because he wanted it to be told, 15 minutes. The first responder was out there uh, going with the ice and the water coming up here, and he was looking for him. And had one of these long things that he was trying to find him, and he could grab it and pull him up. And the first responder heard a voice that he thought was his captain on the, on the, on the, uh, out there with the rest of the people. And the voice said, look, uh, uh, go back. So he went back. And he heard the voice say, go back further. And so he went back further. And boom, he grabbed him. Pulled him up. First of a series of miracles that delivered John Smith 100% healed months later. However, when the responder got back to the station, he said to the captain, thank you for telling me to go back. 
The captain said, I didn't tell you to go back. Doesn't this sound like the story of Samuel who kept hearing the voice, Samuel, Samuel, and he thought it was Eli. And so the captain said once again, he said, I mean, the, 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 the refers to the said, no, 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 I know you. <laughs> of course you told me. I heard you. And the captain said, I don't know what you're talking about. I did not yell or scream anything. You are too busy trying to manage the crowd around me. And what I like about it is that the first respondent was an atheist. Oh, I love this. Listen to me. Uh, 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 while you may not believe in God, it does not stop God from believing in you. And God is always looking for a time or a circumstance through which he can disrupt your spiritual sleep and call you by your name and wake you up. And for some people, this is the day. He's calling you. He's trying to wake you. And then everybody shout, perceive. This is no sin of perceiving that God is speaking an indirect way. I want you to see this video of a, one of our partners here who while this time last year during our Be Rich to Others effort which we call Dream Crazy Big she perceived, she heard God through the message. Listen to what she says. I remember having this urge to do something but I didn't quite, I hadn't quite figured out what it was. So I'm sitting in the congregation, I remember sitting kind of like in the middle pew, just you know, listening to pastor preaching, particularly about um, dreaming crazy big and doing what Jesus will do. I remember just having this sensation and this thought in my head, go relaunch that school. Started by my dad, born out of his desire and his passion for educating young kids. He set up this school to serve this low-income community in Nigeria. He really wanted to help these kids, but he, he honestly just couldn't. Eventually, he had to shut it down because he couldn't keep up with the deficit. And unfortunately, the kids themselves could not um, really pay. After I got that word that I should go reopen like dad's school, like, can you believe in that crazy? I picked up the phone, my dad lives in, in Nigeria, and I called him, I was like, oh my God, dad, I had this amazing thought and vision and mandate, and I was like, you know, God is telling me to go reopen Agape, but this time as a free school, you know, make this, you know, a gift to the community and, you know, help these children. You know, he's like, that's a great idea. Let's do it. That was it, let's do it. That was exactly what my dad said. and forgive us trespasses. I remember thinking, this is crazy. Like, how am I going to get this done? But at the same time, I remember thinking, I mean, if God wants it done, then he'll get it done. This is me acting in obedience. I think that helps me dwarf my fears.
Let's give God a hand praise for this remarkable woman for sorrow. From zero, right now, today, they have 60 kids from K to second grade. And each year in this school, they call it God, but they're going to add a new grade. Each year, they're going to keep adding grades. I want you to notice that when Eli, the text, instructed Samuel, after perceiving that God had spoken to him, he says, look, go lay back down, and when you hear the voice again, here's how they answer. Speak, Lord, your servant, shout servant, servant. is listening. And what Eli was trying to say to Sam, and what you ex experience in hearing Bizarro's story, is that a heart that has the posture of a servant positions you to hear God speak, to perceive God's direction in your life. A servant. This is the person who says, God, I don't want you to be my instrument. I don't, I don't want you to do my bidding. But God, I want my life to be your instrument. Did you hear the perception starting in Bazaar's, but, but Bazaar's story? She said there was this urge that she had. Not a voice, it was an urge that she had. And then this, this, this urge, see, one thing about God is he's, he persisted. Notice he came to Samuel four times. And, and, and in verse 10, it says, at the end of verse 10, it says that he came up close to, to Samuel. In other words, the suggestion is that every time God would call Samuel's name, God was getting a little closer. God was getting a little closer. God was getting a little closer. And it was the proximity of God, ultimately, that, that, that brought him close enough to Samuel, who had a servant heart, that he could close the deal. God is standing right next to some of you right here. I'm trying to speak to you. But Laurel says she had a, an urge. And then sitting in a message like this, the light came on. And she would listen to, to me teach as broken and, and perfect as I am. God, God turned the lights on. And the clarity came. But then you always need confirmation. Shout confirmation. So look at verse 19. Look at verse 19. Uh, uh, it says that Samuel grew, the Lord was with him, and everything Samuel said proved to be reliable. See that confirmation? All Israel, from the north to the south, knew that Samuel was, watch this, shout, confirmed. Confirmed that the prophet and others, God backed it up again and again and again. And so that's how we learn to hear, because, because God has a way of, of confirming over and over and over. Again. You know, bizarre, she shares the story. First thing she did, looking for confirmation, she called her father, who knew how hard and challenging he had tried and it hadn't worked. And she said, this is what I think God is saying. And, and, and he said, let's do it. The second person she had to talk to, I'm sure, was her husband. Because you know what? They funded this effort out of their own finances. Surely her husband would say, oh, this is crazy. This is not a good idea. But no, her husband said, let's do it. Confirmation, confirmation. Let me give you another phrase, because so many of us, we're so frightened. We think we have to be infallibly clear about what God is saying. Let me give you a phrase, because this actually is where most of us are. Watch this. Write it down. I want you to say this with me. Say, I'm going to teach you this. Say, I think, I 
God is speaking to me. Come on, here's another one. Try this. Say, I believe God is leading me. Let that start being your, your language. I think that's humility there. Yes, that's, that's not the opposite. You know, some of us can be so arrogant. Oh, yeah, God talk me. I'm God. Just listen to me. No. Samuel was humble. Bizarre was humble. This notion, I think, let me try to confirm. I think, let me confirm. Oh. Let me end it here. Do you know this message is given today because God has been trying to speak to some of y'all? Some of you were here last weekend when we talked about the, the 45 women an hour that's being raped in the Congos. And we gave an opportunity for people to rise up and and, and join a team that will pray for these women and write to them individually. Some of you felt an urgency, an urge, if you will, to participate, but you pulled back. You know what you ought to do today? You need to act. You need to say, I think God might have been speaking to me. You should go to, you can do it right now on your, on your phone. You can go to the front page of our website, nbccbarry.com. You can find right there on the page the ability to, to go ahead and hit the link. And say, count me in. Some of you for the last several months have been, been, you, 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 you've been feeling drawn to helping us launch this new campus in San Jose. Every time it comes up, something triggers in you. But you say, well, I'm not the best of regular attenders and I'm not really perfect. And I got all these things going on in my life. And yet you still sense you, you're drawn. Uh, 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 come, on, come on, everybody shout. I think. I think God is speaking to me. And if that's you, you know what? You need to stop by and talk to Pastor Tilden before you leave. He's in the back and say, you know what? I want to come to that meeting on Saturday. I'm not sure that God is calling me to be a part of launching this amazing effort in San Jose. But I'm going to come looking for confirmation that maybe I'm a part of something new in San Jose. Some of you, it's not that God wants you to do some amazing big thing. Sometimes God just wants you to have a courageous, uh, a courage enough to actually... Tell somebody else what he told you to tell them. I remember I was in uh, Amster, Louisiana, a racially divided community. Late evening, a young white male walked up on me trying to get my attention. And I, I was ready to fight. Who are you? And he said, I'm sorry, sir, I don't mean you any harm. He said, you know, he went on to tell me. He's a traveling group. He said, are you a Christian? I said, yes, I'm a Christian. He said, well, I... I, I I believe the Lord told me to tell you as you walked out the door that he's calling you to preach his word. He did not know that. I've been praying about it for an entire week and he mustered up the courage to walk up to this African-American kid that he did not know and say, I think God said to tell you and it changed the trajectory of my life. Some of you, you just need enough courage to tell somebody what God said. Tell them. Some of you God is speaking to, you know, that person that you have no chemistry with, and yet God is saying, that's the one you should be married to. The one that doesn't have an hourglass shape, and God, God is saying, but that's the one I picked out for you. For somebody else in here, God is telling you, you need to come out of the relationship you're in. It's too oppressive, it's toxic, it's abusive. Come out of Egypt, shout, come out of Egypt. And you keep resisting. You're afraid. Meet your fear with just a little faith. Enough to say, I think God is speaking to me. I, th I think 
God is leading me. God will do the rest for those who want to be his servants. Shout amen. amen. Give God a hand. Amen.